Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. It's summertime in New York, so we tapped in our guy DP, the commish of Gersh Park, one of the most premier tournaments in New York City. What's up, bro? How you doing? Man, can't complain, man. Just happy to be here. Thanks for having me on here. Shout out to what you're doing. Man, no doubt, man. Before we get into Gersh, like, I want to talk about yourself. You're from East New York. What was that experience like for you? It was a blessing. Growing up in a tough time. I grew up in the, in the East from the 80s, from the 70s, and from elementary school growing up. And just, just growing up in the East, having to fend for yourself. Not like I didn't have parenting. It's just that we grew up so close-knit in our community. If you grew up in the East on our side, where Gersh is, every day was an adventure. Every day was something, you know? And that right there taught me just, just tools, just survival, survival tools. It taught me navigational tools. It taught me problem-solving tools. And those skills took me a life. So just growing up in the East was a great thing. My friends and I, we talk about our favorite pastimes to this day of things that, you know, that resonate with us from back in the days, which, you know, make us laugh. What were like some of the things that you would like get into back then? Uh, well, I guess from like elementary days, you know, I was, we were playing football a lot. So like in our, in our community, you know, we were playing whatever building you was from, whatever side you were from, you know, we played football and we played basketball. Mm-hmm. We were playing more football than anything. And, you know, it was just a lot of, it wasn't like the tech days, you know, like now it's the tech era. We had video yeah. games, but if you had a TurboGrafx-16 or, a, you know, a Genesis, you were, you were kind of blessed. But a lot of times was outside, physical, playing tag, playing manhunt, you know, going to free lunch, those type of things we did, and, you know, with no care in the world. So growing up was just great times. We were very rough with each other fight, wrestle, did whatever we had to do to survive. And then, you know, the next day we write with each other. Man, I feel you on that because I remember back in the day when I was coming up, we played Manhunt and Saratoga Projects. And that was like the best time I, that I ever had in my life. Exactly. Playing Manhunt, you know, you playing with <clears throat> just one block. The next you know you're playing with a whole with a whole complex. The whole project is playing Manhunt. You know, you can't go on the second floor, people cheating, going upstairs to get juice. Why they playing, hiding in the cars. There's so many things we did, and this just was fun, you know. Corner of East was just an mm-hmm. amazing time. Amazing time. Before this way before the gentrification. Amazing time. Mm-hmm. I know like back when I was coming up, like in maybe like 2000, there was a lot of bloods and stuff. Um, did you feel any pressure to join a gang back then when you were coming up? 
Well, the, the influx, that was the right time, 299, 2000. Yeah. It was the influx of the gang. It was real heavy in East New York, you know, a lot of, you know, big gang territory. Well, it wasn't really pressure, you know, a lot of, a lot of friends, a lot of friends, you know, partook in that, those type of actions. But me, I was, that was, I was more basketball. In 99, I was already in college. So like to, to sway me then or to pressure me there couldn't happen. Not when I'm already in college. Like if we were talking middle school, middle school, elementary school, <clears throat> that's something. But by the time I'm in college, I'm already like, my mindset was too strong to be influenced to be like, all right, I'm gonna do this. And again, having childhood friends you ate free lunch with, but now they gangbang and these are still your friends. So you may see them, what's up, what's going on, but it's just a different lifestyle. So it was always a respect thing, you know, to the degree of that we grew up together. I knew you before, <clears throat> I knew you before whatever gang you were affiliated with. And they knew me before I even stepped on a college court. So it was all understood. And back then, like, even if you didn't gangbang, like the OGs would leave you alone because they knew that you were doing something positive with your life. Got it. Yeah, they would do that. You know, sometimes in the East is a little different because <clears throat> even if you even if you didn't, and the OGs knew you played the sport, OGs is you know try, mm -hmm. try to bet with you or bet on you. Like yo, you better be him. Stuff like that. But it's all love because you know a lot of friends you grew up with in those times. Some didn't make it. Some incarcerated. Some you know mm -hmm. some deceased. So at times like that are just you know monumental to growth because they make you who you are. What type of player were you? I would say. I would be known as a shooter. I could shoot the ball, you know, mm -hmm. get a chance to put the ball in the basket. So I think I would be classified as a shooter under, you know, undersized two guy, however they want to classify it. But I would say a shooter. Who were some players that you looked up to? Well, I could stay local first, like just in, in our community, like the older guys we've seen, like I've seen like a Randolph Morant, you know, um, you could say like a Randolph, a Moshe Canty, you know, these are people that I've watched in awe that was a little older than me. I watched Randall. It's a kid I haven't seen in years, like in person. He was just like, oh, he was a great point guard. And, you know, you had those people, you had some older guys. Um, let me get a Greg G. Nice, this guy was G. Nice. We used to play ball in the gym. He, he used to have on like, have NBA trial gear on. He was going to the Sixers tryout. And who was Washington Bullets. G. Nice was like, just, he played, you know, 40 and over, 50 and over, and still have 60, 70. Things like that we used to watch live and like Emeka Smith, he's the only dude from my hood. Um, Quito, this guy, this guy Gus went to Christ the King. He used to wear suits every day, right? Funny story, he used to wear suits. I'm like, I didn't know he could be. Got dressed for day, he hoop. And I was like, damn, he played ball, but he got a business job. So I'm like, he was just, he was just nice. And it's like those older guys growing up, it was, it was many more. B-Long was nice. It was so many people that was nice in our hood that was just outright nice. And, you know, you see them like, wow, you know, this before, like, you look at, like, the Jamal Tinsley's and, like, those people you seen, like, in Brooklyn that were monumental in Brooklyn. When it was coming to Mel, you see Mel, Mel bringing people, Steph, you know, those people a little bit older than me, but you still had to look at, like, damn. You felt you was nice in your own right, but you still were in awe of what they did. And, you know, if people say they, they didn't, you know, they're lying. People are lying, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to give people kudos. People say, you know, if you give somebody props, you, you know, you D-Rod, or you doing this, now. Nah. If you... You saw people, you knew they were nice, you were a fan. Like, yo, they're tough. But those are just times yeah. when you got a chance to go to the gym. We had Gersh indoors mm -hmm. and like, you know, God bless the, bless the dead Jocko. We used to have open gym and those guys did it. And we got a chance to, you know, they got a chance to, you know, cultivate that talent. You got a chance to play ball daily and really, you know, get better and hoop. That was great.
what was your college recruitment like and like how did college um, change you? You know what it was? I went to Jeff. So like Jeff was great time. So I come into Jeff, you know, you got call principal, you got Marcus Gary, you got these kids that are tough. And you know, when I came in my freshman year in 1993, it was like, you know, people could hoop, but it was, it was three of us particularly for tryouts, uh, Teron Simpson, Clifford Ward and myself. We had that basketball background from eighth grade. So other people could hoop, I couldn't take that away, but us three stood out because one thing I noticed that for some reason, all of us had band-aids on us that, that day of tryouts. And we made a connection that day, like, yo, we could really do something special. Our, you know, our freshmen, because we were all freshmen. There were some sophomores that was tough, <clears throat> but as freshmen, we were like, we were kind of special. And then ninth grade year was smooth, 10th grade year, it was probably like my best year because I think that's when I had the most notoriety. So I was getting a lot of notoriety in the, in the paper. And then when my junior year came, that's when the coach and I, I felt we didn't get along. I felt he rolled me more. So that right there, then it came to senior year. <clears throat> it was still mediocre. I had a chance to leave Jeff, but it, did, it, wasn't, it wasn't like I reached my max potential, I felt. So I still play outside basketball, AAU basketball, or what I deemed was AAU, I just play outside with outside tournaments. And then my coach from outside got a chance to put me on the phone with a college coach. And then I ended up going to Jamestown Community College, JCC, right out of Jeff. So that was a blessing there. And when I went to Jeff, me and a few kids from Brownsville went, me and my man Pat Crino, my man Dale, we were all from Brooklyn going out there. So it was pretty dope. And I'm getting a scholarship there and that was really history. And then the, the key to my maturity was, you had to fend for yourself, you had to figure it out. So those same survival skills I had as a kid, as a teen, as a middle schooler, it was the same thing out there. We had to navigate how to survive. And I knew that I couldn't go home because it was basketball or nothing, you know? But when we went to JC, it was just like a whole, a whole culture shock of how to deal with a town when you are the, the real, real minority. When there's only a few, you know, black people. Then, you know, racism was running amok. And then, you know, we trying to hoop, trying to play ball and just try to focus and then get acclimated with school. It was a lot, but it was doable. I did it, you know, and I would do it again, so. Those things, you know, those things helped me. Where did you attend JC at? Oh, JCC, Jamestown Community College. That was in Jamestown, New York, upstate. Oh, uh, oh yeah, so we, upstate. So we, so we it's, played it's like- wild up there. Yeah, we played Genesee. We played um, Niagara Community. We played um, some of the schools. Bentley. No, that's, that's when I went to four-year school. We didn't play Bentley. We played, I want to say like Broome. We played a bunch of schools, all the upstate schools, all that, um, uh, what, region three, all them region three schools. Up the ECC area, you know, I know we play Genesee area, Monroe. So a lot of those schools, I don't know, some Brooklyn kids from it. So I can think about it. Cause I know Genesee had like Chantal Nelson, they had Al LaRoche, you know, Monroe had um, Carl. Carl, I went to um, Grady. And then, you know, so you know, you know what's out there. Terrell Way was at um, ECC. So those were the times. And that, that college basketball experience, it's like no other. To be a student athlete is just a blessing. I think. Did you have like any pro aspirations like after college or? Um... You know what it is? Everybody got that pro. Everyone watches NBA and makes the connection like, oh, I'm going to do this. But it's like when you hoop, mm -hmm. you hoop. You hoop in your small circle, your your small circle. The, the bigger you make your circle, the, the bigger you get out there, the more chance you have. And for me, it was that um, after I left college, I was 02. I remember that time after college, it all clicked. So we played in tournaments. I was in great shape. I was in, you know, I felt strong as ever. So those things were like amazing. And that was like, I didn't, I couldn't even put myself in that 
that NBA talk. Cause I'm like, man, I couldn't play there. But I knew in my mind that in my in my small circle I could hoop or in my circles I could hoop. So those are the things. But every kid, every kid has that aspiration of like playing pro ball and things like that. A lot of people don't know that you teach right now. Like um did being a ball player, you know, being in the wars, um, did that kind of prepare you as a teacher as far as leadership goes? One thing I noticed all my life that people listen. So I would talk to people, they would listen. So that aspect kind of helped me with teaching. So I remember my first year teaching in 03, where my, my principal that hired me, she was like, she's like, wow, you can't, she said, you can't teach to save your life, but everybody listen to you. She was like, you tell them to jump, they'll jump. Everybody, you tell everybody to look in the sky, they go look in the sky. So I had to just keep on getting that, you know, that those hands-on practical work to get better. So it wasn't the theoretical as far as reading a book. I had to understand how to deal with the kids in school, you know? So that's one thing I noticed. But, you know, all my life skills helped me with, with teaching mm-hmm. because I was those kids that sit in those classes, you know? Growing up in education in East New York was rough. Again, it was more survival than anything. Has one of your kids, like, ever, like, tried you, like, on the basketball court? And, uh, like, you had to show them a thing or two? Well, you know what it is when you're when you're when you're teaching. I taught elementary school for twelve years, so in elementary school, you know, you may want to shoot around with the kids, but you're not. I'm not playing no kids one on one. I don't. I don't get into that. I don't get a bruised ego like you know. Some people are being there with shirt and tie trying to play kids. Nah, we had student staff games growing up, but those were cool. But I don't. You know, I may talk to my kids now to this day. My middle school is that uh, we play student staff game. They graduated from high school, but they know. You know. They lost. I haven't I haven't lost a student staff game in my, you know, 18 years of teaching. So that's pretty cool. I got an undefeated record with that. Almost lost one year, but we never lost. So that's a blessing. Kind of going to Gersh, like, mm-hmm. like prior to that, like I don't even remember hearing about a league in um, East New York or Bushwick, like until Gersh became what we know it as today. Like, um, how did you get involved with Gersh as we presently know it? Yeah, shout out to Bushwick, but you know, Gersh in East New York. So even like on the East New York side, like Gersh always had tournaments. So it was something called ghetto games back in the days. You play in ghetto games, it was dope. It was just a hood thing, whatever whatever hood you were from, they grabbing you, you playing. And you know, ghetto games was always around. And this was before Gersh got reconstructed. So some of the council people did Gersh um, Park over and it got revitalized. And we just were playing regular. So the tournament was started by some older guys. So this guy, Al Watt, shout out to Al Watt. He was um, one of the pioneers that put together the Gersh League when we when the first first started. So in 05. And it was just regular. I was just playing still. I was still playing with the hood team. And then I was, I was helping one of my partners that I grew up with. And I was coaching. So after I was hooping for a bit, I said, you know what? Because I'm fresh out of school. I said, you know, let me coach, let me help him. Cause I stopped hooping in a way. So I was like, let me do this part with him. So we would just stay up nights doing it, work with it. You know, this is very, very hood, very close knit community type thing. Cause whatever project you're from, you're from Brookline, from Canals, you're from the Star, you know, you're from Bentos, from Crimes, wherever you were from, you had a team. And when I got a chance to like do a little more, we won the chip in 08. We got a chance to do more. And the more and more that I did, the more impact I had. So at one point he was like, yo, I just want you to, you know, just do your thing and he's going to fall back. He didn't really, really fall back, but he got a chance to to watch it flourish and, you know, 
Nike came apart. We kind of build up the staff, got a mic man, you know, got some partners. And it just, it just, it went through the roof, you know? And again, what people see now, it, I'm not going to say it was just like that, but that same intensity, that same know-how of the crowd, that been there. That been there. It just wasn't the cosmetic. It didn't look the way it looked. It didn't look all clean and polished or professional, but it still was there. It still was there. People still was there. That's the, that's the thing people don't understand. When it was rope days, these people are still around. They're just older. They, some people were there. Like, mm-hmm. I was there from T-shirt days. That's the favorite line. I was there from T-shirt days, which, they, which is all respect and all loved because everybody comes from somewhere. Nobody, no league just jumps out the window and says, oh, I'm going to the top. Even Rucker had to build up. You know, Rucker's, you know, that's, that's global. Everything has to build up. But we love our progression in our years. It's our 15th year, and, you know, we've done groundbreaking things already. That some leagues that have been around for longer haven't. What were like some of the challenges that you encountered while you was um, trying to grow Gersh to what we know it as today? You get roadblocks of like just community stuff. People don't understand the community. So like one piece, you know, just like just, just having the magnified sound and having a large crowd. The community was like, you know, they're trying to sleep. So it would be some complaints. <laughs> the cops, the cops would, you know, brief us with different things and those things matter mm-hmm. because again you want to help the community you don't want to put the community at a disadvantage so that was one thing you know we get some you get some kickback from like when it comes to partnering with you know if it's parks department if it's uh nypd you know those stakeholders sometimes you know they have to warm up to you but now our relationship is great where i could you know i have the direct lines i could call them you know anytime so those things matter the thing I like most about Gersh that locally it helps like lower crime in that area. And in my book, like, I think that's like the best thing that you brought to the East. Well, you know what it is? I think that's, uh, thank you first. I think that's one of the best things because again, when people time is occupied for those seven hours, eight hours, they'll come there, eat, they'll watch a game, have something to drink. And they're there, you know, six, seven hours in a park. So of course it reduces crime. That's, that's documented. That's, documented as you know as we can see the trauma that the community felt without a tournament last year because people were dying through covid but a lot of kids were dying a lot of people were dying through through gun violence you know through assaults and through things like that so we know that crime would have been different in the east new york community if there was a tournament do we say we will stop it no but we know that all the casualties that we've witnessed or we've heard of wouldn't you know went in the past and that kind of brings me back to an old saying that somebody told me a long time ago, idle hands is the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. I heard something like that too, especially with an idle mind. Those things you can't really, it's tough because, you know, again, you, you have people that lost their lives and, you know, no one wants that in the league. Not saying the league is the protector of it, but the league does a lot for the community. And, you know, those Big things facts, definitely, definitely affect, you know that those things, you know, are tough. In the last 15 years, like, what were some of the most memorable moments in the park's history? A memorable moment that people couldn't even relate to, that um, you're talking about a, a, a PNW versus, what's the name of this team? Um, Abu team. You know, Abu had a team, it was all orange, purple. Uh, you know, PNW was purple. They came with the all orange. PNW came with all purple. Those times, those matches were crazy. You know, kid Willie Wappy, you know, he'll make 10 threes, 11 threes. Those times were like, you know, people were going to the, to the discount store buying all of the purple bandanas, all of the orange bandanas, making making things for the crowd. Those times were like, 
monumental. If we could, at at those times were recorded, man, it would just be like, you know, people are thinking like, damn, what happened to that field? That was just crazy. It was like literally mascots on the side rooting for their teams in the community like that. So those are times were great. But like, that was a time where sticks out to me. Abel, I forgot the name of his team, Abel and then PNW. Those matchups were, you know, second to none. And like I remember Tom Campbell Walker came out, Campbell Walker and Lance Stevenson. I think our first year with the Nike contract, they came out. That was amazing. I, I think I was there that, that night. That yeah, that yeah. was definitely, definitely watching Kemba just try to dissect through, you know, and then you had like a neighborhood hero of of uh, Eddie Kane, Ric Flair, who's a hero, who's a god in his community, in his community of, you know, LG, where, you know, he's playing, he's at his, his peak, and then Kemba Walker's just showing like, you know, you're still like a kid because there's nothing you can do against a pro. So those things were like, you know, those things are like monumental. And it wouldn't be nothing like offensive. Like Kane know what's up. Just, you know, Kane is Eddie Kane. They love him. But when Campbell there, you know, Campbell's moving like lightning. And and Kane moves like lightning too. So it's just it's just crazy. It's a crazy thing to just envision in your mind, like, wow, I remember that. Do you have a wish list of players that you want to see play at Gersh for the um 15th anniversary? No, never do a wish list because then that's like you said civil for for disappointment. That's no wish list. Just let the product speak, and if they decide to come, they come. I don't. I never wanted to be like, oh, I want. I wish this player come. No, like again, like, give me the neighborhood heroes. Give me the ones that they love. Give me the Herb Walkers. Give me the Levance Fields. You know, give me the Keno Rochfords. You know, give me the Keto Edwards. You know, those people that they love. Give me those kids. Give me those B Frage. You know, you know that's that's what more because they'll. You know, do you want NBA players? Yeah, but just like those stars that come in, those those players, kids are looking at them in awe as well. You know, looking at them in awe. So it's like, you know, stuff like that means a lot as well. You know, but I, to answer your question, no, no wish list, no. If you can make like an all Gersh team, like who would like who would be on it? That's tough. You know, I always, I got this question last night. I went to um, a tournament last night and they were talking. Who would be a top 10? They said top 10 players in Gersh the last, what they said, last five years, would, would certain people be on it? I'm like, listen, that's tough. An all Gersh team, I don't know. Because then you got NBA players. Is it fair to put NBA players on that? that old Gersh team was, it's like the name of nah. whoever, whoever stepped on the nah. court. Some people think whoever stepped on the court. But I can't answer that. I can't even, I, can, I would have to say and think, because again, in people's time, like again, you had Greg Goose All-Star. They were fully loaded with young studs. They had young studs. They had, you know, the Gary Irvin, Eugene Lawrence. They had Darrell Blazigan. That was like their three-guard lineup. And those are like, those are premier guys that played high division one basketball. But then it's like, you got them in the beginning opposed to their to G. Urban's SOG years and, you know, NRW Gino, you know, so th- those things you can't, in the PNW Jarrell, it's like different times, different errors, same players, but how do you weigh it? So I don't know. I couldn't, all girls team, I don't know. I'll cross that bridge one day, but, you know, people, people, you know, won't be happy, but it's so many, so much talent. Since it's the 15 year, can we expect like a legends night, like all the, um, great Gersh players at least one night just to at least honor them, maybe like in between games or something? We definitely want to honor a lot of people. You know, first thing we, we want to do is take time to honor the people that, that lost their lives due to COVID and, you know, through the pandemic, you know, some family family structures shifted totally. So we definitely want to take time for that. And, you know, as far as legends, you know, we always try to commemorate everyone that stepped in Gersh some way, somehow mm-hmm. to show their appreciation. Because again, all these tournaments in the, in the city, people in Gersh. I've I've spoken to players, yo, what time is game? So I got another game. And they don't leave. 
they'll play the game and then they stay there, they're eating in a corner somewhere. So, you know, we definitely, I definitely appreciate every everyone that plays in Grinch. You know, good experience or bad experience. Before we move on, like I would be remiss to ask about Booger Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, he um, he's one of a local legend here in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering if you ever played against him or did you have any in, interactions with him? You know what it is. I watched him. I watched him playing growing up. So I used to go to Solon Hole. I used to, you know, I used to tag along with Ty Davis, who was one of the best guards to play. I would tag along and go to games, watch book, and again, people be in awe because you know you're screaming. This person should be in the NBA because they they look, they look like you know you're in there with your mouth to the floor, like damn, this is crazy. But book is you know one of the greatest to ever do it out of our borough in in New York City. So it's definitely like homage upon homage. You know, I see him now at the latter stages. Like now, we may chop it up. Mm-hmm. I just seen him at um, one of the events they had in Queens. You know, again, it's a pure legend, pure legend. And those errors, you know, they call it the golden era. That's that time you can't can't take that away. You talking about Rucker Park people on the buildings, on the trees, on the you know, on the top of the gates. You know, those times are like mm-hmm. legendary. Sold in the hole, you know, jam packed to the muscle. People weren't going in the style for sold in the hole. You know, that that movie came out. People had to watch it. People people had their, you know, VHS tapes and watched it. So, you know, I went, I went, so those errors, that stuff made it. If, if you come in with a league and you don't think your league came from somewhere, you're lying. You're, you're outright lying. You just, oh, you just woke up one day, I want a league. No, you want to you wanna try to, you know, imitate some way, some way that culture was built in a league. Who wouldn't? And how about Skip and Sham got, did you? Did you ever um, play against them? No, like they're they're both older. But I know, like like I know Sham Guard. He had um, I want to say a Providence game I've seen, and I've never seen mm-hmm. Skip. I watched Skip a lot on TV. He was with the Bucks, um, but I never really got to see. You know, you see Skip like locally, but now nah, Runk Runka mm-hmm. videos and stuff. But you know, these are these are living legends. These are people that people still do Sham Guard to this day. Twenty years later, twenty five years later, trying to do his move. So stuff like that is monumental. You know, you're talking about close to people doing like, you know, dunks that, you know, Vince Carter do or something that Jordan does. People still do Shamgar to this day. So that shows you the impact, you know? Rafer's just Rafer. You're talking about one of the best to come out of Queens, pound for pound. And again, the league can have some success. How about another Brooklyn dude, um, Sebastian Telfair? You know, it's crazy because all that he went through, we still, we still praise him, you know? He's still mm-hmm. he's still a legend, you know, in our eyes. Where you know you gotta give him his flowers, and it's like people go through trials and tribulations. Some people can't bounce back from them. You know, I wish he were were to come outside and really just embrace the love. But again, you know, he's going through what he's going through, and again, he's still a he's still a legend. And you can't people make mistakes, and whatever mistake was made, he still don't take away his talent. Still don't take away, you know, all of us make some choices that could hinder us a little longer than the next, but. He's still one of the greatest from that great Lincoln program. Mm-hmm. Big facts, man. So you guys have the girls division now, like, and for a long time, the women, like they've been overlooked for so long. And I'm glad that, that you're showing them some love this year. You have to, you know, culture shifts, you know, basketball shift, everything takes a shift, you know, like in the world we lived in, you know, so you saw everything shift from the tech world. A lot of, you know, got rid of a lot of paper and offices and shift the tech, you know, basketball shift, a lot of things shift. And the basketball shift where 
you know, you gotta you gotta put these girls on that on those platforms. You got girls that are just, you know, that are just that that's dogs that really get out there and could compete on a high level. Forget what gender, they just out there and compete on a high level. So we gotta be able to, you know, you gotta be able to, I would say, you know, put them on that platform and let them go, let them show what they got. And having a platform like Gersh, it's only right. Yeah. I'm I'm mad. I, I'm mad that it took 15 years to really just tackle that. But we're gonna try to make sure that this girl league is the best league across the city where the girls come in and be a, give a chance to enjoy themselves and really showcase their talent. Not a one-day tournament, things like that. You know, some leagues will do a one-day thing. No, let's get the girls out mm-hmm. there. Let's get the girls under the lights. Let's get these girls that are, let's get these videos rolling. It's like every high school boy have a clip of video or sh- uh, a, a little mixtape. Let's get these girls mixtapes rolling. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's girls that are tough, that are tough, that don't get the same notoriety. 15 years, fresh out of COVID. Um, do you feel any pressure to for Gersh to have like a summer to remember? Just being outside is gonna be a summer to remember. You know, we're 365 in the house. In some mm-hmm. communities, people are outside, but we're gonna have, you know, it's just being out, you know, this as soon as July 2nd roll around, it's gonna be a time to remember. We wanna provide for the community. And, you know, pressure, nah, no pressure. This is, you know, let's work, you know, we, we just go work and, you know, people can't think in their mind. They can't even think in their mind, like, oh, we just rolling out of bed, putting this girl team together. We've been thinking about this since last year. So that's what you call preparedness. You know, we've been thinking about this since last year. So let's rock and roll. You know, COVID put a lot of tournaments and businesses like out of business around mm-hmm. the world. Like was Gersh ever close to kind of suffering the same fate? as those other um, tournaments? Well, you know what it is before, see, think about it was, Gersh didn't come out the gate with a sponsor. So we were doing independent. So just like a rap label, mm-hmm. you go independent, you could do, you could go independent, just have a distribution deal. We were independent, just, we were still had success as independent. Were we a household name like now? No, of course not, but we're independent. So we weren't thinking about, you know, suffering per se, because we knew that we had to provide for, com- for the community. So even if we had to band together and figure out a way, we will find a way because it's deep in us, it's the community. The community was wondering what's going on, how's Gersh? It's great that we start on July 2nd now because everybody got tournaments now. Everybody's getting this, you know, this microwave success. Like, oh yeah, you know, oh my God, it's lit. Shout out to them. But now when we start cooking up and that Gersh start rolling, those 10 days of Gersh that coaches me and the people start chattering, and those lights come on, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do now? Now we talking, now we talking, but you'll be there with your media pass. You'll be able to yeah. capture some of those moments. And as Danny Turner once said, lights is, what do you say? Lights is on, time to perform. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Under the lights, you gotta showcase what you know. You know what you did over COVID, were you working out? Cause some people try to crash course working out now. They, they start working out now. <laughs> you you can't do it now, yeah. but it's good because you got a lot of leagues that are like preparing them. So a mm-hmm. lot of like, you know, times when they're in these leagues just to get right. We respect it. We're watching. But, you know, Gersh is Gersh. All right, DP. I want to thank you for joining me today. You're a true role model and inspiration for our community. And I'm dead ass looking forward to um, Gersh opening day. It's going to be a movie. Get your popcorn. Here we go. Get your popcorn. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, we good, yo. Good looking again, man. Thank you. And keep doing what you're doing.